Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and information in the hopes that they'll be interesting to you on this road to call on to do our best and be our best here in the realm of financial matters at UVA. I'm your host, Brandi Van Ormer, and for the first time, I am your only host. Patty and I have not divorced, but she is somewhere else today. So thankfully, I've got two other great guests for the podcast today. Remotely, you're both in Atlanta, aren't you? That's right. That's funny. So I'm coming to you from Waynesboro, Virginia, and my two guests today are in Atlanta working remotely, as they always do for UVA. And because they're experts at remote work, we thought we'd talk a little bit with JT Pfeiffer and Jessica Rafter today about how to stay in the groove when you're working remotely. Now, JT, you and I were talking before we started recording about the fact that, yeah, you're working remotely, but this is still an entirely different situation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we are. We're all working in a pandemic. We're not just working from home. That's right. We're working in a crisis uh, situation. And we all have, we were joking as we got ready to start recording too, that um, if we were interrupted by children or dogs or cats, or um, I think you may have heard my door slamming because of the wind as we started off the pod today, we're just going to walk over that <laughs> and continue. Um, all right. So JT, you've been with Student Financial Services for almost seven years. And how much of that has been remote? About five and a half years since 2014. Wow, so you've definitely had some time to adjust to that. Was Is this the first time you've worked remotely in your career? Yes, uh-huh. And Jessica Rafter, um, who works with us now on the FST project team, I think you've been a guest on the podcast before, and we've talked a little bit about um, you being remote. I wish we'd had Zoom then, because I think you called in on, um, we had you on speakerphone the last time you were a guest. <laughs> Yeah, it was like a recording the phone situation. And yeah. then I had work. It was fun. <laughs> We're coming up in the world. And you've been with UVA for how long? Uh, I, I think I checked the other day and it's 12 years. Are you serious? I'm serious. <laughs> That's incredible. So you've been remote for about four years. So you guys should have had time to kind of get in your groove and know what you're doing here. So we're going to talk today about um, working remotely and as much as we can in this strange situation, how to do that in a way that keeps you sane and keeps you focused. And um, as we're all working with our kids and dogs and lives, maybe we've learned some new tactics already on how to deal with that. Um, when you finally hear the cut of this podcast, you won't hear how many times that we had to stop and say hi to our kids. <laughs> but um, we're going to go ahead and jump into the conversation. And I guess my first question is, when you guys went from being in the office to being remote, what was the thing that was most different in that dynamic? Uh, I mean, I can kick it off. For me, it was most, we were at a different um, phase of, of work at the time um, when I was, I was working in the UBI implementation and my biggest concern was, okay, how do I stay connected with the team? Like, how do I get back these hallway conversations? How do I get back the social aspect? How do I connect with my coworkers to keep my level of empathy pretty high? Because that's, you know, one of my strengths and what allows me to be successful in my job. Like, how do I still facilitate that human connection? Like, I knew I could do the work um, and I knew I 
could communicate in a way that would be effective, but I still, it took a little while to kind of figure out the rhythm of, of staying connected with people. And I would think that it was even, you referenced it being a little bit earlier before we had some of the technology that we have now. I bet that was more of a challenge at that point. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have teams at the time. I mean, when teams came along, I, I kind of did a little happy dance. I'm sure other people probably don't feel that way. But for me, <laughs> I had a, a whole level of transparency to the work in conversations that really helps me stay connected. Um, before, it was a lot of emails, um, short chats on Skype, and we had a lot of meeting structures, which kind of facilitated that. And I also had a team that went out of their way to be inclusive. So they always made sure there was a phone and that kind of stuff. And it really helps in a divided environment of remote and in-person where the in-person people are kind of playing defense a little bit for you. Yeah, absolutely, I, I'm sure. Now JT, I know in SFS, I think of you guys as a very close-knit group. Did you find it to be an easy transition or was it strange to all of a sudden be away from that team? Uh, it was really hard. Um, the first year was like grief processing. Like oh, wow. I really, really missed working with everybody in person. And our work is so transactional. We're seeing every member of our group multiple times a day um, in all areas. Like I was as acquainted with collections as I was with the people that sat next to me at my desk. So it was it was extremely painful to like move from high context being like, oh, something's going on with this person because they're wearing this or they are like looking like this. And to be like having to moderate that through a, a digital understanding. It took a long time to rebuild those connections with um, uh, like digital means. Um, but I've gotten to a point of, of feeling similar similarly close with my colleagues um even though it's it's through um mostly instant message and sometimes phone calls but i have to agree with jessica that having um having a group that is understanding and inclusive is absolutely necessary because because if it's not um like the efficacy of you doing your own work is one thing but if it's not if your supervisor and immediate team are kind of like, what's this person doing or like separate from that, then it's, it feels extremely isolating. And I never had that. I had extremely involved and like supportive group that made a difficult transition tenable. I wonder for the both of you, since now you're not the outlier in this situation, has it been different working with your teams respectively now that you're all remote or have you have you seen a difference there in that dynamic um you know for me i and i hate to say this because it only applies in this like very narrow context given what we're dealing with right now but things have gotten a lot better for me um there's the availability of people is higher, the way people communicate is a little bit better, even just calls and Zooms, like I can hear everybody, no one's away, you know, 10 feet away from the phone. Um, you know, I wish that wasn't predicated on a global pandemic. Absolutely. <laughs> because that certainly changes the nature of everything else. So while that part has gotten better, everything else has gotten kind of a little bit worse. Um, and I think you know, it, I've talked about this with a couple remote employees at the university. There's this level of imposter syndrome when you're in the minority of people that work remotely about feeling understood or feeling like 
you're perceived as being competent and productive and even being able to show leadership in your area or whatever it is. And, um, you know, a lot of people have never had that experience. And so I think the level of understanding um, people are getting now is really kind of important for me. And I hope, you know, and it has made people a little more empathetic to what us remote workers have been dealing with all along. I suspect that there are lots of things that we will have all collectively learned once we hopefully get through this situation and we're on the other side. I think, you know, largely as a culture, I hope there are a lot of things that we learn about one another, but definitely in the world of work, a lot of conversation has been going on about how when you have a difficult situation or you run up against an unexpected challenge, it's an opportunity to look at the way you're doing things and maybe do it differently or improve it. And definitely when I think, Jessica, of all those times that you were the conference phone sitting in the middle of the table and kind of out of sight, out of mind, I think, yeah, I mean, it was easy not to change that because the majority of us were comfortable with it. And now that we're all in the same boat, we think about how to connect better instead of just letting it be, eh, okay. I'm like shaking my head in the background. <laughs> and JT, I noticed we're on video too. I noticed JT shaking his head in agreement while Jessica was talking. Is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, full agreement. I don't really have anything unique to add. I think that she captured that very accurately. So when you guys are working remotely, I mean, clearly both of you have done it for a while. And even though you know it had its challenges when you began and there have been unique challenges now in this situation, obviously it works for you. Um, what is it about working remotely that you like so that you keep doing it? I can start this one. Um, I think that I'm naturally an introvert, um, even though like I really enjoy working with people at SFS in person. Um, and I have a extremely trusting relationship with my supervisor where um, we, it's like the, the work that needs to be done is clearly understood and executed, um, absent of like a whole lot of oversight and I kind of enjoy that freedom. Um, like there's still, like I, we, there's still taking credit or um, admitting wrong when there's issues. Um, and I don't think that has changed at all, but I think that I like the, the flow works better. It's like, I don't need to be somewhere to do this work. I can be here and I can be flexible. For myself, being remote, it's been a little bit uncomfortable because of the addition of children. But I will say, I really love the ability to be on mute in a large meeting and jump up and down on my rebounder. <laughs> Jessica, how about you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the similar things that the JT is saying, uh, the level of autonomy, and I'm a little bit more on the introverted side as well. But um, I think for me, I like to think through things a little bit and I need the space to do that. And I think, um, you know, having the distance helps maintain a level of connection that balances with objectivity. So if I, you know, I, I'm a pretty like passionate person, like most people that know me know this. And, and so a lot of times I need to think through things and being remote helps me do that. Um, just having 
the time in the middle of the day and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and also just like simple things. Like I enjoy being able to control the times when I eat and having like a choice of lunch options in my house. Um, and being I don't enjoy being so close to my pantry. <laughs> I mean, that's the, whole, that's the whole thing right now, right? Like everything is, you're, you're in your house. Like there's no choice. Like the, everything that JT and I probably like about autonomy and choice has been erased. Like we have no choice <laughs> and neither does anyone else. Um, so let's talk about that for a minute though. Um, when you work from home, especially on a continual basis, I've realized, I mean, I've worked from home several days at a time when I've had a really sick little one or something like that, or there's been snow on the mountain and not in Charlottesville. But I've noticed when I work from home for several days, and definitely since we've been quarantined, that the work and life boundaries blur considerably. Have you guys seen that in your, your own experience? And how do you deal with it? Um. Yes, it is blurred. Um, Childcare has gone away. So our children are in the house and I have a really supportive partner, um, but she's- And you're supposed to be enriching them too. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm now a teacher as well. just take them out well. in the yard. <laughs> no, and- um, Daddy, we pushed this. It's very appropriate that my son is talking right now because this is how it is. And it like, is. Doing, we're doing work all day long, but like, unless we are like, totally giving way to the, the Disney <laughs> or something like that, then yep. this, is, this is how it looks. Um, yes, I'll press it for a second, Roland. One time I gave my daughter a box of Kleenexes and a Hershey bar so I could do a conference call. <laughs> Parenting skills. No, and, and finding the balance too, because my, my wife is a professor and she's a clinical psychologist. So she has two jobs that she's now and trying to balance with also. That's a more button. More so button. that's what I'll say about that. So Jessica, how do you manage? I mean, do you have like a clearer schedule that you set for yourself? How do you keep from being at work all the time. I've worked with you enough to recognize that yes, you are a passionate person and you really care about what you do. And I can imagine you overdoing it. <laughs> and I mean that lovingly. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I mean, I will be transparent in that, you know, yeah, I am managing, but it, I'm not managing super well right now. And I think that's kind of one of the things of our circumstances, a level yeah. of compassion toward ourselves that, you know, we may not, the best that we may be able to manage is just okay and fair. And I, I think for me, you know, I, I've i been lending my time to FST and the boundaries between work life are even, even um, blurred to the extent of that stopping point. Like I usually, I can always usually leave the house or maybe I would go to a coffee shop in the middle of the day to create that lunch break. But because of the intensity of work already in a project, you add on the pandemic, um, it's become a little rough. I, I mean, like I have people aren't traveling. So people start sending emails at 7am. I've gotten meetings scheduled after five people are scheduling back to back meetings and the culture of the entire institution being remote hasn't caught up. So just this week, I, I finally got to, and I don't know like how good or bad this reflects me, I got to this breaking point where I was like, I cannot manage this anymore. I, I just can't. Like, I have got to put, and, and they always say, I've got to put like a lunch on my 
on my calendar. Like I can't, even if I'm not doing, you know, just so I can trigger myself because I can't, nobody can work 12 hours straight and, and not have a break. And, and you're not even productive at that point. You're kidding yourself if you think you are. Right, right. So I think that those boundaries are always difficult. And, and like I said, blocking time, creating opportunities to, to step away are good. And, and I would not say that normally that's the state of things. I think this, where we are is a particular um, contributor to that. Just the, the level of response individually and the organization that we have to do. It's just creating a lot more work. And I've, I've heard that echoed with some of the people we've talked to as well. You know, I have too. And I think sometimes it's a really great point what you made that, that you made about the whole institution. I think sometimes that we are all collectively, as we're being thrown into the world of remote work, it's like a, a whiplash. We're trying to all prove that we're doing what we should be doing and this is not affecting our output and that we're all dedicated and great and whatever. Um, but it's it's different than just working remotely. And, you know, you were talking earlier, Jessica, especially I remember you saying that you have to be comfortable working autonomously and doing the work and not being micromanaged or anything like that. And for your colleagues to see that you're an equal contributor. I mean, it's one thing when you're a remote worker and you're working with that dynamic, but then we're all working with this whole other side of the situation where we have all these other obligations too and none of that can be alleviated it's all a just a big crashing pressure and I think we're all still in that stage as an organization where we're trying to pretend like it's okay <laughs> like we can do all this it's gonna be fine like that little comic of the dog sitting in hell with a coffee cup saying this is fine <laughs> I have sent that so many times just <laughs> Oh, um, so I did a, oh, is it okay if I jump in? Oh, absolutely. We're in, this is hope, a freewheeling conversation. I hope you can't hear the magic school bus in the background because... I love magic school bus. Is it the I, old one or the new one? It's the old one. Oh, that's good. But I like the Lin-Manuel Miranda one. Um, yeah, so um, I just did a presentation on on um, working during the pandemic to my my colleagues and identity is like hugely informative of the kind of work we're doing. It's, it's a lie to expect that our output has not changed and changed dramatically because like you can't look at it as a, as a going concern as like everything is fine. We're just working remotely. It's like, well, okay, what if you have limited transportation and getting groceries is really difficult. What if you have children at home? What if you are um, of the, higher risk category and there's like all the intersections of our identities are going into play in a extremely like pressure cooker situation that and I feel like like some area like our area is doesn't seem to be trying to over legislate it which I feel like is right because if we get into the the weeds of like okay here's how we're going to time keep here's how we're going to like make sure everyone's doing the same amount of work, it's going to get messy and scary. Yeah. And I've been thinking about this for a while and it's like, but the message has been ongoing, at least in our area, is like, be gentle with yourselves, do what you can and communicate as well as you are able. And that has, that's made for a, not seamless, but a lot more comfortable um, culture for us. 
Because to be honest, all of the pressures are so intense and there's nothing that we can do to alleviate the fact that we have our children with us or we're worried about family members that we can't physically see. We can't celebrate things like birthdays together. We can't do all the things that we're used to doing. There's a there's an amount of grief in that that is going to weigh on us no matter what. And to not have at least that one piece from your department, like you were mentioning, JT, that that is something that can be controlled. And like you were saying, we can at least hopefully be gentle with ourselves and take care of some of that pressure. Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, a realization from a lot of people on a personal level that, you know, burnout is, is very real. The risk for burnout right now is at an all-time high. And I read an article, and I, I'll give it to you the link, and I've already sent it to my team because I- Awesome. I would love to include it in the show notes. Um, it's called Burnout Isn't Just in Your Head, It's in Your Circumstances. And it goes through kind of the level of emotional, and it's a quick read, the level of emotional exhaustion that we're dealing with because of these increasing demands. And as leaders or individuals, like we have to take a view where you have to push the lever somewhere. Um, you know, you can do that by, you know, at some level, the lever might be like, you just have to make the job easier, whatever the job is. So when you're, you know, saying dealing with your kids, like if you can't enrich your kids all day, like you, fine, you've made the job easier, you've reduced burnout. Like on a professional level, if we have to make the job easier in some way, or if our organizations or bosses have to facilitate that because of our circumstance, you know, then that's what has to happen. And we have to be kind of cognizant of that too. And, and I feel a lot of people right now, maybe because of the level of coping that we're doing, haven't quite caught up with that. I, I've heard a lot of people say like that some of these, um, they're, they're drawing a false correlation or, or somewhat false correlation around, you know, that the productivity is related to remote work or the reduction of productivity may be related to remote work, but it's probably more related to the level of stress and identity that JT is talking about, I would say, for most people. Like no one right now, I mean, we have a little bit of engagement um, challenges, but like for the most part, people are like, yeah, I can do my job. I'm fine. Yeah, but but your the whole organization was dumped into this situation on mass without any context or any um, any tools or preparation. And I I think that in a lot of ways, probably you all had a little bit of a, a leg up on on that situation. But you know, I th I want to think, and this is the idealist in me, that we come out on the other side of the COVID nineteen crisis and maybe we think of things in a with a different slant when it comes to work with a little bit more humanity i mean heck by this time we've all seen the inside of each other's houses or garages or guest rooms <laughs> or whatever and we've seen your cat and your kid and your unicorn hat and they've heard my kid yell mommy come help me in the potty <laughs> during a conference call so there's a little bit i hope of um understanding that comes from this whole situation. I think especially I've always, you know, we're talking a little bit about the loss of control that a lot of our colleagues have experienced as we've been in this new situation. Um, I've always been really uncomfortable with the idea that being a mother and being 
a colleague or being at work, like when they intersect, it always makes me horribly uncomfortable. I hate it when I have to call in and say, okay, well, somebody popped a fever and <laughs> I'm not going to be there. I'll work from home. And I will absolutely wear myself out to make it look like, it make, not make it look like, but make it apparent that I am engaged, I am answering calls, I am on my email. And that's not a sustainable way to go about things. And it's more evident in this situation that we have a lot of weird attitudes about work and home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like like uh, the, the American sickness of like work is the is the base of everything and must be adhered to like like you you make sacrifices everywhere else but work and you should be glad for a job like I'm hoping that with everybody in having to experience the the disruption that we can forge some different attitudes because it's like it's 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 kind of awful <laughs> it's like it's like okay where are you going to sacrifice you have discrete resources what's it going to be and you look and you're like none of these options are good and like like i i hate all these choices <laughs> it's just bad and it's like wow maybe we'll have more empathy for people that have to make this on a regular basis for caregivers that more yes. that that generally step into the role or the, the stay-at-home parent and being like, wow, we really like figure recount labor a certain way. And if it's not monetized through a particular lens, it's not as important. Well, but that's why, like, I think, you know, that's why we're saying like it, managing the remote environment, there are, you know, obviously tangible tips that we can give, you know, about taking breaks and standing up and changing location. And, and those all help you, but, no matter what we would say or anybody that has been remote working is going to say like you have to your situation is your situation and in your environment is, is your environment that you have to manage and you have to deal with and you know i think you know brandy and jt to your point like one of the great things and I, i'm kind of waxing philosophical too is this remote work and seeing everybody with these boundaries blurred is so much more human and there's there's kind of beauty in that and i and you get to know people a little bit better and people feel more comfortable talking about what those drivers are in their life and what they're having to sacrifice and how they're dealing with it. And, and it breaks down barriers which actually are effective at work. Like that more human level of interaction creates trust which makes work or, or anything more effective. Like people feel comfortable saying like, I didn't, this happened or we need to do this. And, and it's tough, but you know, I, I don't think I don't think we can have expectations about what we're going to be like or how you should manage things at home. I mean, you have to do your best right now. And, and, and we sh as human beings should respect that. Virtual high five on that. Yeah. yeah I was nodding so vigorously that it was like going to knock my laptop off the desk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do think it's very humanizing and it, it equals the playing field too in a lot of ways. I think the dynamics of conversations I've noticed are different when you have meetings um, in big, bigger groups or medium-sized groups. It's just been interesting to see how people respond to both being a little bit shaken up and like you said, Jessica, being in the middle of kind of finding out what this is gonna mean for you individually. So both that discomfort and then 
the realization that everybody else is in the same boat too. I mean, I can't really be too uncomfortable with my four-year-old sticking out her tongue in the conference call because somebody else's dog is snoring at their feet. <laughs> right, I mean, it's this, again, like back to what Gigi was talking about, the identity. Like if your four-year-old sticks their tongue out in the middle of a conference call, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It just means that your four-year-old sticks yeah. their tongue out yeah. in the middle of a conference call. It doesn't correlate with anything else. <laughs> You know, that's it. Like, that's like the crux of it, right? Like, we like to put these boxes around things and, and remote work is one of those things among many. And, and when those boxes trend, they clash, we have trouble and we try to put things back in the box. I love that we've taken this conversation out of just, like you said, Jessica, the tips, like get up and stretch or... <laughs> I mean, do those things. Yeah, they're all great. Yeah, you can... Yeah, you can you can Google those things. I'll even throw some links in the show notes about uh, cool things about working from home and taking breaks and all that good stuff. But I think there is that internal thing that you have to deal with. Like you were saying, Jessica, you have to decide for yourself that this is how, this is how much I can do and this is what my boundaries are and what works for me and I think at some point too, I think of how my own mind tends to work that if I take a few minutes and go do something for my personal life that I have to make up for that in some way. And you can torture yourself with those kinds of things. So deciding what that framework is going to be in your mind and what your guardrails are and what you're okay with it's really something that you need to work on or else you will, I think, subconsciously make yourself very miserable. Yeah, I, I think when it comes down to it, you know, you just kind of put a point on it about how to make this remote situation and remote work effective, right? Like having those boundaries, it's going to reserve the level of energy you need to show up in the areas that are a priority to you. Um, you know, when you, when you can, right? So... But yeah, it's definitely weird. Like I, I am taking a PTO day tomorrow. You know how weird that feels? I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm I, just I, not gonna be on Zoom, man. Yeah, I just felt like I needed a break. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think that like we're going back to identity again and again. And I think that like, even if you formalize a process of asking yourself questions about yourself, like what's my circadian rhythm? When do I do my most creative work? When am I basically a useless person? and ordering your tasks around that and building, like even deciding like, do, does my week need to be broken up into day chunks, into, into two day chunks, into month chunks? Or can I look at my work at the beginning of the day and order it from there? And like having that like knowledge about yourself and then saying like, if I accomplish X, I can turn off my computer and not feel like I'm going to um, get fired, lose my health insurance and, um, be the worst person ever because um, work judgment is also, also also my character and being a terrible person. Well, and, and there's this other side of the coin, you know, again, you know, bringing it back to this idea of working remotely in our current situation of like forced remote. Sometimes it's good to remind yourself that it's not, it's not a problem with your individual ability to deal with the situation. It's the situation like that. That's, and it's easy with these strategies of JT suggested around putting some introspection into how to 
think about your work and what works for you in the day or week or month or whatever and how you frame success it's important but um you know your success may not be predicated on well your productivity or whatever it, it's just the situation is tough i mean you could be the most competent rock star employee and in this situation you could still do terrible in this situation I, it just it's a horrible situation it's stressful and yeah. the thing that that i keep stressing with my team because i like to report back to them things that i hear in the management calls about how uva is coping financially with all of this and how you know everybody's thinking about things like the economy and just big scary concerns and we as we're running scenarios internally like for the project and for the university and then you know the commonwealth budget and the the national budget there's no way for anyone to really get their arms around the whole situation because we absolutely have no understanding of what's going to happen when when we'll be at a certain point where x can happen so all the con the contingency plans are in the hundreds and nobody is comfortable with that level of not knowing i think it's very unsettling at its core for all of us and it's easy to forget that because here you are working at home it seems like everything is pretty okay and work is kind of going the same as it would be and you're in familiar surroundings but it's a crisis situation and that is going to affect you whether you like it or not Definitely. That was a cheerful podcast that we're doing. No, it's like there's um, the, the uncanny valley of how similar, but how like mortified that that like known environment is, is like something that I have to chew on every day I wake up. Like, like, huh, here I go to work. Here I go to the grocery store with a mask and gloves and anxiously trying to keep six feet away from people like here i am definitely not checking my 403b um <laughs> no. and and just like like nothing is the same and trying to like get out of the recursive loop of expecting that something is going to feel normal maybe there's hope that we'll all like be a little bit more aware of one another because we are six feet from one another like the interactions that you take for granted even those things are with your colleagues i think you know the, the things that you would talk about as you pass by their cube you maybe value those things a little bit more than than you did when it was easy i think that's true and i think this um you know what we're talking about about defining success for yourself and having compassion and drawing those boundaries those are things you can do regardless of your work environment um you, you know you can use them now in a crisis environment you can use them when things seem whatever your normal is um whether you're working from home or not you can use those criteria and have an honest conversation with your colleagues and your supervisors and your leadership about what that looks like so that you can reduce some of this burden and stress on yourself in our remote environment. Like make it work for you. Like you can't be at a call because of something, you know, it's okay to have those reasonable expectations set ahead of time. Um, you know, a lot of, I think of what we're talking about with the challenge are, are just those, 
you know, multiple priorities and expectations. And that's something that's manageable. If I can add to that, um, I think that that um, taking it even into the the the, the dyad of your supervisor um, and yourself and like removing, I mean, most of us, not, um, not Jessica and I, are moving from a high context <laughs> situation to low context where the way that we communicate, it has to change dramatically. And like the way that we are articulating ourselves is changing drastically and quickly developing a, a strong like rapport and communication style that's like understood where like you can start to infer things from the way that people are writing especially with your supervisor so you can develop plans for to make sure that like your 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 goals of productivity are synchronous so that you can kind of hopefully put to bed some of the anxiety to be like hey my supervisor and I are on the same page with this we know how to talk about this and we have articulated this so that it's not just like, today I will do an email. And it's like, yeah, we know that like <laughs> an ongoing um, effort, but like the, the dyad I think is, can't be stressed enough that it has to be fostered and nurtured um, to, to help yourself like get through the day for on both sides. You know, and I, I totally agree. And I think some of it can be trial and error. And then some of it can be, even having like a, a five minute call later and say like, hey, I, I sent you this email, but I just want to make sure that like you understand that I'm saying what I mean, right? And right. I, you get my intent. Yes. You don't have to just fumble through it and have, you know, a comedy of errors. You can just, you can clarify and it'll be, it'll be fine. And you can do that with anyone. Oh. Yes. Oh, sorry. No, well, I was just going to say, and I didn't mean to, to cut you off, JT, but, but, but you're right. Those are things that we should be doing anyway, because many of us on a regular day over depend on email and misread context or tone and then have some internal strife over what we think is happening on the other end. And it would be easy to clarify that if you picked up the phone or dropped by. But this whole situation makes you have to think about it a lot more. Maybe we'll learn some better behaviors out of it. <laughs> no, I had one of my colleagues actually um, interact with me on um, Teams the other day, and they said, hey, are you mad at me? And I said, no, like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, the way that you, like, responded to my message was kind of terse, and I didn't understand it, because usually you're pretty verbose when we talk in the morning. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, my child did X, and I was, like, running from here to there this is not about you. I'm sorry that I wasn't able to do that. And like, we got, we got aligned again, but like being able to say, if it feels bad, say something about it because like, we, like the passive aggression, even by accident and like in, in implied or inferred is, is going to be like toxic and has to be cut out through clear communication. Yeah. Even more toxic, I think in this very stressful situation. Because like you said, it's low context. It's easy to sit at your dining room table at your home office desk and think that people are against you in some way. 
Yeah, and I think, um, you know, part of that, I've noticed that I've been a little short too in, in messages lately, and, and I, don't, I don't have kids to deal with, but part of it is that with everyone on these collaboration tools, the idea of availability has changed. And oh so my gosh, yes. I'm getting messaged and emailed all day long. I'm in meetings and people are messaging me because they know like I'm not in front of any, anyone. Like I have the video call on but all day long. And so sometimes I'm just so tired and like all I can cognitively muster is a yes. No. And, and here's the thing, right? They know that you are not anywhere else. You are trapped. We are locked in a room with our laptops. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my, my, this is my tangible tip about that is <laughs> do not disturb on the teams. Yeah. yeah. Throw it up. Throw it up. <laughs> and just like you were talking, um, I was talking to a colleague earlier today. I sent out the blog digest and I always get a flood of out of office messages. And I mentioned it to her. Oh, I sent the blog. I said, do you want to know who's out of the office across UVA? And she was like, why would anybody be out of the office right now? Like you don't have to be working just because you're at home. Like just because we are remote and quote unquote working from home doesn't mean that we're always on. And I think that's been a little bit of a jump for people. Well, we're coming up on the end of our time together and we had, I think a better conversation and more useful and deep conversation than I even anticipated we would. We did not talk about many tips except for that last gem at the end, throw that D&D &D up. Um, but I feel like what we did discuss was probably more helpful. So is there anything, JT and Jessica, before we wrap up today that you want to mention as a parting thought? I, you know, I would say for me, I, if this conversation that we had, like, I feel like we're probably all pretty well-versed in talking about our feelings and we all seem very um, introspective and that probably helps. But if you feel like this conversation that we've just had is useful to you, you know, I would encourage people to have these conversations with their colleagues and their teams. And I, I have another, I'll link another resource from Ed Hess in Darden School and he gave- Oh a yeah, really he's great. Yeah. He gave a really good um, kind of wrap up or framework that people could use or, or they could pick out for having these types of like emotionally resonant and, and authentic conversations with their coworkers to help manage some of the remote aspects of work. Um, and, and I would just encourage people to do it. It's fine. Like everyone is humaning and you can human too. I love human as a verb. <laughs> <laughs> you can human too is going to go on my bio somewhere. Um, it needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that you have to, like, the, my, my final thing is, like, build in the water cooler conversation any way you can. Um, if you know a tidbit about one of your colleagues, check in with them on instant message and be like, hey, remember this thing that happened? And just, like, start a conversation from there. It's, it's going to feel strange, but... Um, you'll be surprised at how willing, I think, I think that you'll be surprised with how willing people are to, to engage and talk and have those kind of like random moments of like deep connection ancillary to like actual process and project work. Yeah, that is not wasted time at all. Yeah, you don't have to have conversations about like the um, theory of productivity in American culture. Like you can, you can <laughs> talk about that meme. You can throw a baby Yoda to someone. It'll be fine. <laughs> 
I will take all suggestions on like funny things to use it or like a great YouTube video or whatever. I love that kind of stuff. All right, for so thank you, JT, and thank you, Jessica, for being willing to talk about all this stuff. Um, like I said, I really enjoyed our conversation and it went a, a really cool direction. And I hope that for our listening audience, it's helpful to get you started thinking about no matter how long this lasts, um, how are you going to navigate yourself right now? And what does all of this mean once hopefully things get back to normal? Will you take new information and new ways of doing things with you? Um, because you've probably learned that you had some habits or some beliefs about yourself and work that maybe needed a little bit of inspection. So I hope the podcast today was helpful to you. Um, as always, you can reach out to us on Finance Matters at UVA Finance underscore or UVA underscore finance on Twitter and by email. And until we talk to you again um, from six feet away or however far, stay safe and stay sane and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.